0: Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Carl's Roll Coaster Podcast. This is good. You're all sorted, right?
1: Here, I'm taking a picture of you. (laughs) This is my view. This is my view.
0: And speak up on the phone.
1: Look. Okay.
0: Let's see if you're your level is good for me here, okay. Wait,
1: hi. Check one, two, check. Oh, I love house. Perfect. I need a little more compression.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, hold okay. On. I'm doing this right now. My, I'm gonna put, post my view right now. Cool? Cool. Cool. It's not a view from the stage, but my view <laughs> right <laughs> now. Interview. He's off this gorgeous, beautiful,
0: good looking man. With,
1: what's your uh, Carl? Carl Casagrande. I At see it right there. And what's the, what's the show called? Roller Coaster.
0: Carl. At Roller Coaster Carl. Oh, One okay. word.
1: For <laughs> Carl Roller Coaster. Yes. It's not coming up. But is that it? it if
0: it's um Oh no no, it's the other it's r- Carl in the uh, end. Roller coaster Carl. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it didn't it didn't show up probably.
1: Roller coaster. Roller coaster Carl.
0: There it is
1: roller coaster Carl. Oh it's Carl it Roller Coaster. Co- Carl's ro-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually it is Carl's roller coaster podcast, but I couldn't get Carl Roller Coaster, so okay. I just registered. The other way around. Okay. Sweet. You made, you
1: made a stupid face, and it's on on this forever.
0: <laughs> oh
1: damn!
0: I, I told you, I man. I great. Smile. damn.
1: You made the dumb face.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So let me just. Um, that one's going. That one's going. That one's okay. going. So one, two, three. Hello
1: hey Phil man, what's happening Good to have you here my friend Good to be here how long have we known each other now 2013 2013 Yep that's it Six yeah years. 6
0: years 6 years To
1: wait a month before I got the call Very true but by that point you were already gigging with them weren't you mm. I did the fill-in thing and then Richie came back and then uh, two years went by and then I got the call and he didn't come back, so I'm so still here.
0: I'm still here. <laughs> Amazing. We're definitely going to get into that, but uh, I'd like to start saying thank you. Thank you for taking the time, for being here. It's Thanks a pleasure. for the ride on the tube. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> mind your step. Mind your step. Uh, mind the mind gap. The gap. Mind the gap. And it's, the gap. Uh, it's a good time to travel right now. If you had taken the tube, it would have been crazy. It's starting yeah. to get to, into rush hour, but yeah. much better than taking... Uh, uber or a taxi because that would have we would still be there probably on on the way to here yeah totally um but yeah anyway thank you for being here thank you for uh taking the time being a guest it's uh it's with great pleasure that i'll have this conversation with you uh lots of things that i want to talk to um Maybe not so much about music or what you're talking about. Of course, it's going to be about music, a lot about music. That's what.
1: Uh, that's why we're here, man. That's why we're here, man, right? <laughs> well, that's why I'm in the city. That's why you're in the city. That's right. Wow. What, what, what's actually happening? Well, I played in Liverpool last night and then jumped on a jet. <laughs> I sound like a dick. I jumped on a jet and then I woke up in London.
0: That was an interesting one because I really wanted to ask that. And I think that's that's, you know... People that follow like uh, life on the road from from their uh, yeah. idols, they have those you know little. What do they do? What happens? But you're just telling me that after the show, because I I, I, yeah. I I personally would want to you know shower. take a shower after the show. But that's not exactly what happened last night, isn't no. it?
1: We we uh, if you take more than thirty seconds to get to the van after a gig from the stage to the van, you get stuck in concert traffic, and you don't get out. So these guys have been doing this for 30 years. They know this shit, right? (laughs) So my first gig in Europe in 2013, um, I believe it was uh, June or May. And it was basically, they said, "Um, we're doing a runner tonight. I'm like, I don't know what that is. What's that? Oh, um, from the stage to the van and gone. And if we're staying the night, we go to the hotel, take our stage clothes off, and in our rooms separately, <laughs> put them in this, put them outside the door, and then someone comes and picks up all our stage clothes so they're ready for the next in show. In Europe, yeah. that happens in Japan, but you know, the- any stadium. If it's an arena, like in the U.S., we'll probably stay for a little for a little bit, and then we'll all leave. But in in a stadium, you don't want to get caught in that kind of traffic because it's you know forty to. 60 to 80,000 people. Like, even, well, I'll get to that. Um, if we're leaving, if we're flying to another city that night, like we did last night, you actually jump in a van, go to the airport, take your stage clothes off in the jet, and that goes in a big duffel bag that goes back to the venue. It's like, there's some logistics there. Huh? There's some connecting the dots there.
0: <laughs> How many people is actually the traveling party, the, the crew at the moment?
1: that is on the road with you guys? That's an actual number I don't know. There's, I think, I want to say, okay, there's seven in the band, obviously. There's, But on the road, we have a road manager, and uh, the promoter's always with us, and John's manager's with us. And, and then there's uh, a chiropractor and a, an acupuncturist and a, that travels. And, a, and a vocal coach, and that's the tight group. And then outside of that are the techs, and uh, we have a... Stage um, manager production manager yes and they stay with the stage right yeah
0: and the tour manager is always with, a,
1: with, with you band, yeah, yeah with the band yeah. all the time all the time he's the guy that are we doing dinner tonight i text him and he goes yes or no mm-hmm. or he's the guy hey there's a band dinner at eight o'clock be in the lobby at seven fifteen. that kind of thing um and if there's like if, if it's like a, a last
0: minute issue technical issue for example, happens and then production manager or stage manager reports to who would they report to the tour
1: manager? Well, yeah, they say,
0: Hey, um, something's
1: happening with the stage, uh, so everybody be prepared, or even with weather, it's gonna rain tonight, you know, bring some dry clothes kind of thing. Um, but who
0: passes that information? The, the, the,
1: oh, it will come straight to us, right? Yeah, it'll they'll probably tell our road manager, and he'll we have a, a group WhatsApp, <laughs> <laughs> like we're real people, <laughs> and then, um. And then if I'm thinking, hey, you know, I didn't like how that guitar sounded last night. Um, So I mean, just... just Lower the pickup. Just a quick question. So it it is WhatsApp.
0: WhatsApp, yeah. Yeah? Okay, because in America, WhatsApp is not such a big thing, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Or is it? Well, it is, but in America, you can just text because there's no charges.
0: Well, yeah, I guess if it's it's only the case if you are an Apple user, then you can send an iMessage to each other. But if I text someone in... Denmark, for example, I'm going to be charged.
1: Well, we do WhatsApp, so everybody, because not everybody has an iPhone. Okay. So the the cool thing is, uh, like I said, you know, like last night, there was a guitar that that really, really looks amazing. It's a Framus and it's chrome paint and it's got this glow in the dark meteor crash on it, and it just looks wicked. And but it doesn't sound, it hasn't been sounding as good as the other guitars. So. I you know the, before the last show I said hey let's lower the pickup the back pickup maybe it's just too hot and then uh, and Mark was like he's my tech he goes hey why don't we uh, why don't we try the guitar tonight because you lowered the pickup and I go okay so now I want to wake up and I go hey man how the guitar sound last night <laughs> <laughs> like it's me you know it's hard to tell with in ears it still is hard for me to adjust to. Because in May, it? I did four drill shows with my amp behind me and a wedge for my voice, and I love it. And then, funny enough, that that little band with the, in the little venue, <laughs> and then I get on a giant stage with a mega band. I got the in ears, and I hate it. You know, it's a, but it's for the greater cause. For the right? greater cause, yeah.
0: Uh, I was going to ask because uh, I didn't have the chance to uh, before, but how how did the the shows go in in May? You did like five
1: shows, four. It was Four. started out as five, and then they didn't sell enough tickets for the one. I find that, I'm find i finding out that these small venues, they don't know how to promote. Mm. So whatever you do when you go out and play, you have to promote, promote, promote. And it's not like putting one Instagram post up. because or creating a Facebook miss. event. I, I find that people follow so many people that sometimes they miss posts. Mm-hmm. Like, as this still happens because I'm like, I hate multiple posts because you feel like you're badgering people. Come in to me, play. An hour later, come in to me, play. Come in to me, play. And then the next day, somebody still goes, you played last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what
0: happened in 2013. Remember, you're talking yet last night. In Liverpool. In Liverpool, what, exactly. The, and
1: Dorje and, 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 and Drills and, and the, drills and and the band guys. that I used, to, yeah, yeah. I used to play with, yeah. And you know, you do a gig and you travel all that way <laughs> and you do the show into an empty room and then you go grab a slice of pizza with the bass player, Dan, <laughs> And you walk in, and they're like, "Phil the X, what are you doing here?" I'm like, "I just played down the street," and they, I had no idea. Of course, you didn't. <laughs> it would be too one, easy if it? you knew and you were there. <laughs> Everything's got to be complicated.
0: Sometimes, yeah. I mean, people overcomplicate things, but I, I have, I have, I have a sense that, uh, nice one. I have a sense that um, you, you have this. Um, you transpire positivity, you know, from the moment that I met you, I remember in 2013, you were always like extremely friendly, extremely smiley. Uh, and, and there's something that very good that comes out of you. It's good to be around you. And that hasn't changed at all. Maybe now that uh, uh, I get to even be more in touch with you, I, I sense that even strong. I mean, I have a sense that that that's even bigger on you now maybe because i don't know everything is happening in your life and you've worked so hard for things to kind of like you know be on the stage of your career that you are right now um but uh that's just a, a little compliment right there well, thank you um much. But uh, we will talk more about music, but I'd like to go a little bit back, yeah. back, in, back in time okay. and ask you how, how was your upbringing and how was your household? Where, where, where did you grow up
1: at? I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and, um, which was great. It served its purpose as a place to grow up. Uh, I had a pretty big family, um, very loving family. We're all still super tight. You know, my, I have a brother and two sisters, and my mom. My we lost my dad in two thousand five, and that was tough. But I, I think that's life changing when you have a tight family. And um, the th- the thing is, is I grew up in a household Greek household household. So my dad played Greek music all the time. So it was it was either Greek music or Elvis Presley because he loved Elvis Presley. So, you know, and I I just remember watching movies, Elvis Presley movies with my dad. And then I wanted to play guitar and he played bouzouki and he thought, well, if you play guitar, we can play together kind of thing. And uh, it was a very modest upbringing in the beginning because there was six of us, plus my grandparents in a two bedroom apartment on Dufferin in Toronto. And when I was five years old and asked my dad for a real guitar for Christmas, actually got me a real guitar for Christmas. And it was like, and when I say modest, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, he's putting money in the bank, putting money in the bank. We're getting out of here, you know? And watching him, he always was down on his education because he went as high as grade six in Greece. And then he was in the army later and because uh, you had to go to work, right? So, you know, he... It was very, you're going to get an education. You're going to get an education. You know, you're staying in school no matter what, that kind of thing. But, you know, be an entertainer, too. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, when I was eight, I had an Elvis Presley set. I had I played and sang Teddy Bear and Blue Suede Shoes. And so we were at a, a wedding, a Greek, you know, big fat Greek wedding. And, you know, there's 400 people there. And I got up. And, my, you know, because my dad was like, hey, why don't you get up and sing? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of people here. And he's like, you can do this. You can do it. And so he pushed me to do it. He told the band. They're taking a break. Hey, my son's going to get up and play. And they're like, uh, no, my son's <laughs> going to get up and play. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, sir. <laughs> Does he want to use my guitar? Does he want <laughs> us to play? No, he's got it. He's, he'll play your guitar. And he's got it. So you got to imagine this is before YouTube. So you can't Google eight year old playing. I was How old were you? Back eight. Then? eight. So if not, if I was eight, that was, that was like 1974. So no YouTube, no nothing. You don't, you know, like now you see it every day on YouTube, you know, a kid playing, singing, all that stuff, you know, seven year old playing eruption. Mm-hmm. So it's, there was 500 people at this wedding going, who the heck is that kid? What, what's going on? Who, what's How can he do this? You know? But that's how my dad brought us up. He wanted us to be musicians and entertain because yeah, that's they what he did. you have the same approach with your brothers? Well, I was the one that stuck with it. My brother, he loves music. He's a music lover. You know, uh played around with drums a little bit, played around with bass a little bit, sang, like we'd do a jam and he'd get up and sing Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and stuff. But his he's the other side of the brain. He's like, um, can you still uh, sing uh, Faith No More? No, but I can design the shit out of a microchip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so he he's, 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 he's that brain. And he's very successful with that. He lives in Texas now. And... So, and my sisters never really got into music. We all love music, you know. Um, I played bazooki and I, I took that precision of the, the picking and I applied it to guitar. So, it kind of gave me an edge over my friends when we were growing up playing guitar and learning Eddie Van Halen licks and stuff like that. So, music was always a part of my life. And, but it, the funny part was, you know, when I, my dad's like, hey, you got to decide. Hey, you need better grades in high school. And hey, where are you going to college? And hey, what's happening? I'm like, Dad, I don't want to go to college. And I don't need better grades because I don't need any of that. I just want to play music. And he's like, and we almost got into a fight over it, you know? He's like, you're going to school. And I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do it. And I go, you always wanted me to be a musician. Yeah, but I didn't want you to be professional. (laughs) He just, you know, he wants you to be the life of the party, Mm -hmm. you know? But um, you know, it all worked out. I think. And then, did you eventually um,
0: go to college? No,
1: you I didn't... went to the college of a van with three guys and instruments playing every dive within 500 miles. And
0: how? But but then, uh, at the time, how did you how did you work that out uh, within your household? Like how how did you somehow not convince, but like. To stay in good terms with with your dad, how did you how did you deal with it? Did he just
1: accept the fact that you know what? This is what's I think at the end of the day, your parents just want you to be happy. You know what I mean? Mm. And you know, my mom was on my side. She's like, you know, we know an education is important, but maybe we give him some time to do this. And but my dad, he wanted to be supportive, but he would say stuff like, you know, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than becoming big and famous. <laughs> and I was like, thanks for the support, Dad. <laughs> but before you knew it, you know, um, I was playing in a Canadian band that played Maple Leaf Gardens, which is where I saw Van Halen four times. Wow. And and, uh, and, and I remember Maiden first? three times, wow. and Cheap Trick, and Aerosmith three times, and Black Sabbath. And this is
0: all still in Canada?
1: Yeah. Wow. As a child, this is in my teens. Mm. Yeah. I was, you know, 14 when I saw a lot of those concerts. And, and he was the guy. He goes, Here, hey, here's, here's some money for the concert tickets. You wanna go, go. You so know, cool. and so it was a very that was my education. You know, when I saw Van Halen, that changed my life. When I saw Cheap Trick, that changed my life. When I saw Black Sabbath, it was like, oh man, this is you know, all that stuff is 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 that's your education, you know, concerts. I knew I'm still a fan, I'm still a concert goer, and I know what I want to see when I go Um, do a concert. So when I get on stage, that's what I become. I become what I want to see as an audience member. What right now, at this stage of your life, after seeing,
0: probably, you probably saw all your heroes perform, right? But right now, I mean, what's what's a concert that you... You've probably already seen it, but like you say, you know, I would love to see it again. Like, I, for example, I love Iron Maiden, so I can see Iron Maiden any time, any day. Uh, Metallica, same thing. And But is there any, any any like, artists in particular or artists in particular that you would say, do you know what, man, I could see, you know?
1: Well, I, yeah, I get kind of picky. As much as I love Van Halen, I heard, I watched some YouTube videos from the last tour. And you saw them at their prime. I did. I saw, you know... Um, Women and Children First, Fair Warning, Diver Down, 1984. And then I went to both. I went to 5150 tour with Sammy Hagger, and I went to Eat Him and Smile tour with Dave and, and Vi and Billy Shane. And were
0: you one of these guys? Did you used to buy the tour t-shirts? Did you buy any merch? Are you one of these people that collect stuff?
1: Yeah, but you know what's funny? I didn't know the difference. When you're that young, you don't know the difference between buying it in the venue and then buying it from a, a, a bootlegger on the street. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine just sent me a photo of me wearing my 1980 Invasion Van Halen T-shirt while we're jamming Van Halen in his basement. He's playing drums. I'm playing guitar. And we're just jamming. And just seeing that was... It took me back. Like, I wish I had that shirt. What the hell? I You know, I wish I had some of the guitars that I don't have anymore. I, I wish I had some of the concert shirts I don't have anymore. It's pretty amazing. But at this stage right now, do
0: you collect, for example, say... Um were you a Bon Jovi fan before you joined I the did. band? I did.
1: I and I tell people. I went to um I bought my own tickets and went to see the New Jersey tour at CNE Grandstand at in Toronto that isn't even there anymore. But I remember buying my tickets and being up in the in the uh,
0: that might, that the must bleachers. be a
1: surreal it is. experience when you look I think back if, and put
0: things into perspective. Yeah,
1: I think if somebody would have said Hey man, you're gonna be on stage with that band in like 20 something years. I would be like,
0: fuck you,
1: no way. But I mean, I thought that was I. I love Slippery When Wet. I mean, Living on a Prayer is a song of my youth. So yes, yes, I was a fan. But um, you know, and, and getting back to uh, who do I want to see now? I like I. I'd love to go see newer bands, and um, and not that they're new, but the last concert where i went and went holy shit was muse mm. in la a few years ago and they became my favorite live band that year it was like oh they're so good it's ridiculous yeah, but yeah they do put i also on a saw a couple of years before that in seattle uh me my wife my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law went to see iron maiden and i'm blown away that bruce dickinson can still sing like that on beat all over the stage and I heard he like rollerblades all day long too in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no,
0: these guys they they, they they must be they must have done something, um, something uh, good throughout the years. And what I atri- at- at- attribute to is uh, the fact that uh, it, they 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 were during throughout the course of their lives they absolute opposite of what the vast majority of people think I know. that people were they were like you know all on drugs boozing all the time going absolutely crazy and you don't get to 65 years old or 62 63 on that shape you can't you can't you know? I know
1: it's funny because i was in la and one of the first time when i first moved there in 97 and we went to a studio and uh we were like walking around and he's showing us the studio and we go into the back room and i'm like what's that smell and he goes, oh, that's uh, <laughs> Bruce Dickinson's fencing gear in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so when he's not singing, he was fencing. It's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I have another Bruce Dickinson uh, thing where I was, in, I was playing in a band called Powder in L.A. And um, we got a, a small deal in the U.K., and I think it was 2002 or 2003, we came here, and we had a promoter and a publicist, and they hooked us up with a BBC Six, BBC six uh, interview. And on the way there, I'm like, so is, is this interviewer cool? And oh, didn't they tell you? It's the Bruce Dickinson show. Wow. And I'm you like, what? When... <laughs>
0: yeah, the, he, he had the show, BBC, so, BBC Radio Six. Yeah.
1: yeah, so we walked in, and uh, Bruce Dickinson, on a mic, and then we sat down on a mic, and I'm like... God, I want to interview him, right? <laughs> and I'm here for him to interview us. And he was the only guy, like I've told this story a million times, and he was the only guy to ask this question. And basically, you know, he did his homework, or he's got staff doing homework, and he goes, so you you worked with Tommy Lee. What was that like? And I go, well, oh, no, he asked how it came about. And I said, I was... You know, Please do I,
0: get into that because I was curious, I was going to ask that as well. Yeah, see,
1: <laughs> so he, he, you know, I, I it's basically a my Hollywood behind the true story or behind the scenes kind of thing where, um, I was literally painting the garage of the producer that was producing Methods of Mayhem with Tommy Lee in 1999.
0: Can I just ask something? When did you move
1: to LA? 97. 97. So, this is right. two years in of me trying to get the band going and. To working a messenger service and painting and landscaping and delivering. Oh, that's what you were doing. Delivering as a day job, right? Delivering frozen meat out of the back, the back of a pickup truck with the freezer bungee cable to the back of the pickup. This is truck. up to ninety-seven. No, 19. that's when I moved there. From ninety-seven to ninety-nine, it was like whatever it took. And then two thousand to two thousand one, I started doing sessions. And I think it was two thousand three that. I, I didn't have to have a day job. I could just do sessions all the time, mm-hmm. and that was great.
0: And what was the what? Was, uh, um, we're gonna go back into the Tommy Lee and the producer story. Yeah. But uh, what do you remember? What happened? And what was the moment that uh, you met a specific person that got you a job, a session job that led you to another job? What What was the Was there a moment that things some, somehow? clicked and you're like okay i see that i'm headed towards somewhere and those jobs will keep coming back to me because you worked with so many like i mean when you check the your 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 discography the the people that you recorded for it's just it's really impressive and that's like and that's like many years ago and way before uh uh, the actual gig uh came to you yeah well
1: it's and it's and the gig the gig came to me in a completely different from a different avenue as well but it's what's funny about what I was doing was I, I just put it down like when I do clinics and when I speak at schools and it's like you just have to work your butt off because people say ah oh, you got just gotta you were at the right place at the right time but what if you're at the right place at the right time and you don't deliver
0: then you're it's the prepared. wrong place mm-hmm. and the wrong
1: time mm-hmm. you know what I mean if you don't work your ass off they, someone's gonna knock on that door one time, and if you walk in and you have you're like a B game or a C game, and you really need your A game, you might have shot yourself in the foot right there. So, but what happened was painting <laughs> going moving to guitar playing was uh, I'd already done a few things for Scott Humphrey on some other projects, so I was painting at this point and doing errands and all kinds of stuff. And then Tommy said, Hey, uh, we gotta we got to get a guitar player on this record. And Scott said, well, let's get the, let's get Phil. And Tommy was like, the dude painting the garage? And and he's like, yeah, actually, you should hear him play. So I came in, picked up a guitar, started playing guitar, and Tommy freaked. And he was like, dude, you got to play on the whole record. And that's when Bruce asked, did you ever finish painting the garage? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no one has ever asked me. And here it is, Bruce Dickinson, <laughs> asking me that question. Excellent. Uh, which I actually did, too. But um, but at the same time, and th- that was one of the, s- the snowballs that started rolling, you know? Because um, the next record that Scott was going to do was Rob Zombie. So the follow-up to uh, Billy Deluxe, which was uh, Sinister Urge. So Rob came in, and he said, hey, I love what you're doing on Tommy's record. Will you play on mine? And I'm like, sure. And then I'm playing on his, and then... He gave Alice Cooper my number, and then I got the call from the producer that was doing Brutal Planet, which was Bob Marlette, and he called me to come in and play on that. And then more stuff with Scott. It was like Andrew W.K. and So it couple. was mostly Scott. Well, no, there was Scott, and then there was an another avenue that, that came uh, from Toronto, which was when I was still living in Toronto, I played on the first Our Lady Peace record. Mm. And Rain Maida, the singer, he's, he had moved to L.A. and started producing stuff. So now he's producing Avril Lavigne. So he calls and says, hey, uh, you want to come and play on something? I'm, I'm producing some songs for Avril Lavigne. So, and then it was Avril Lavigne and then Kelly Clarkson. And then at now, it's, now you have, now you've done some sessions with some drummers. And some people you know that have a drummer he'll come in and they go hey we got to get a new guitar player in here you know anyone oh man i did this session with phil x okay call that is that his real name (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's call phil x so phil x they call me i go in and then bang it's howard benson and then it's the first daughtry record and then a whole ton of stuff after that more kelly clarkson more um you know he's singing too right we're doing this thing we need some background vocals on uh, theory of a dead man or something like that so it's really um one it, thing everything less snowballs. Another, yeah. yeah
0: snowballs yeah um that's yeah that's really amazing because uh, honestly i myself like till just recently had no idea of uh, well I did know about Tommy Lee Project, the Alice Cooper Project, Kelly Clarkson, uh, the tribute they did uh, recording guitars at uh, the Ramones. Uh, yeah, and tri- bass. Yeah, and bass as well. And bass. Um, but then when I looked at the whole uh, um, the whole session work you did, I was like, wow, that's... that's you
1: know what's crazy an about that? amazing accomplishment. Because I forget, right? I forget what <laughs> yeah, I've it's, done. It's a lot, yeah. But then what's been happening lately is, you know, people come up and they want me to sign this house is not for sale. By my picture inside the jacket, which is surreal, right? Like a Bon Jovi record with my picture inside. it's, it's it, it takes a minute to, to sink in, but now, you know, and then they bring Drill CDs. So okay, I've signed Drill CDs before, but the last couple of events that I've been at, um, people bring a bag of CDs, and it's my discography. They got Brutal Planet by Alice Cooper and they got the Kelly Clarkson record and the Avril Lavigne record That's and they amazing. want me to sign all these CDs. So I'm there for like seven minutes with one person signing 20 signing CDs. Signing 20
0: CDs. Yeah. Um, I totally relate to that. I've done that in the past with Bruce. Right. <laughs> when I was a kid, I <laughs> got the whole Iron Maiden discography. He wasn't very pleased with that. At Here's time. the library, buddy. <laughs> do it. Um, Phil, I was going to ask, um, do you have any... Are you a person that follow uh, a morning routine at all? Is there any particular yeah, thing that you do in the morning that you like to do? It even when you're out on the road, or perhaps the road changes slightly the way that you deal with that. Obviously, because schedule keeps changing all the time in terms of like where you're going and how you're getting there. But like uh, on your life, is there any like a particular you know routine that you would follow in the morning?
1: You know, it's I I, I get to a point where. I do have a routine. Um, I don't think I'm there yet only because it's only been a couple, a few weeks, but, and we have, we've been having a lot of days off. Like we would do a gig and then have two days off and then a gig and then two days off. And I hate days off. Hence the the clinic today. Right. But I feel like I, I like getting up in the morning and not even eating until like one o'clock. So I'll get up and have coffee and then maybe go work out or go for a long walk. And, it was funny because John Shanks. There was one day in Stockholm, and I'm like, "Man, I got up, and all I want it was a beautiful day, so all I wanted to do was walk." He goes, "Well, let's look at your phone and see how many miles you walked." And I walked seven miles, and wow. which I didn't know I could do that. I mean, check it. But um, and then I'm looking back, and seven miles, six miles, five miles, four miles, three miles, because there was a gig or something. It's like. You don't know how many. I just want to walk around when I get somewhere, especially if it's a, a beautiful day. How about going for a jog? Right. I got. I got trouble with my knees,
0: mm,
1: but I'm, I'm you working. Know on
0: it. You know what? You know who? Who always uh, gave you no, no, excuse I, as well? Kiko Lareo? I know he I, always had. Oh, Carl, no, I can't run. I have a problem with my knee. And yeah, but
1: I have partially torn ligaments.
0: Oh, ouch!
1: Okay. Yeah, it's mm. a little. Different. It's, it's it's not an excuse. It's a mm. it's true, but. We were talking about this before, and you go, Well, maybe you could walk a little bit and then run a little bit and then walk a little bit. So I've been doing that not on the running. treadmill now. Yeah. Oh, have you? I find my knees feel more stable if I hit the treadmill for 10 to 15 minutes. Any more. I found the sweet spot. Any more, and my knees kind of ache at night, and any less, and it's not as stable. So I think there's some important points you should definitely follow. Like,
0: obviously, stretch and warm up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Proper footwear,
1: you know. I Don't know if you have like. I'm wearing Converse are terrible.
0: <laughs> Converse are not good. For there's running. no support. No, there's no support. No, I'm not.
1: Are we talking about stage or running? Uh, running. Yeah. Or, well, jogging on the treadmill. Yeah, I, I got uh, good Adidas joggers.
0: Because uh, the ideally you would like uh, uh, walk for a minute and then jog for two minutes and then yeah. walk for a minute, jog yeah. for two minutes. That you you can do that. And if you start with baby steps, just like that, taking your time. Yeah. And consistency. You know how well, it is. You've got to be consistent. If you just do it like once or twice a week and then you don't do it for a week. I mean- I yeah.
1: try to do it every day. Good.
0: Very Especially good. Especially
1: on gig days because I feel it more. Um, but I do a lot of squats so you go to and lunges. So the gym in the hotel normally. Yeah. When like, yeah. So I do. And then the other night I couldn't sleep and I didn't work out that day. So I worked out at like 11 o'clock at night because the gym was usually 24 hours. Mm. But I feel like the more you do it, like you're saying- the more consistent, the more consistent you are, the better you are at that's, it. And then you miss it when you don't do it, and you gotta go. And do that's it.
0: on everything in life, isn't it? Like yeah, if really. you don't play guitar for a week, yeah. you will f- you will feel the difference when you pick it. Yeah, a guitar, it's not like right?
1: getting on a bike. If I if I get on stage with the drills and I didn't practice the solo for "I wish my beer was as cold as your heart," you, I, I ain't pulling it off. <laughs> and that's one song where I because there's so many I get so many come. Comments about that solo. That if I don't do that first lick right, I stop the band and say, "Hold it! I gotta get it. I gotta get it." Let's do one, two, three, four. Try it again, and then I get you it. You doing on a clinic tonight? I'll do the solo. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Well, it's one of those signature Phil X licks. Mm-hmm. I try to do as many signature Phil X licks as I can, and I try to um, give a history. Of the lick like where it came from and how my brain works a little bit because a lot of people a lot of people ask how do i come up with my own licks and and it's you know how uh, i said this today in another in another interview you know good writers borrow and great writers steal and i'm like screw all that shit man it's about disguising it
0: (laughs) Excellent.
1: It's <laughs> I lo- about the disguise. It's about
0: the disguise, yeah. <laughs> but um, we, I mean, we end up not uh, uh, finishing the, the the subject of like morning routine. I just ask that because um, I hear more and more listening to podcasts and like uh, that, you know, a lot of successful people, they tend yeah. to follow our morning routine. And I myself, I try every morning to, to do... Pretty much the same not because i want to have that particular structure it's just because it's something that works for me and i like to start the day on like you know having my meditation and then having my breakfast my particular breakfast i'm very particular of what i eat in the morning and then i do my run you know and and i and i find that those things because most people say uh people have a, a routine in many things they go to their nine to five jobs they uh they study whatever they study in college or they play their guitar or they, you know, uh, rehearse with their bands and they do that uh, with certain regularity. But then other areas of their lives, they just expect things just to happen like that. For example, meditation, something that we're going to talk later on about it. But uh, things just expect like running the same situation, any sport or any anything that you want to do, you kind of have to, Okay, I'm going to definitely give time and put time into this because you can't just running, for example, people think, oh, I can run any time, but it's not like that. No, you no. really have to, you know, take your time and uh, do baby steps and, and become stronger and, and, and get ready to to do that on a regular basis. Otherwise, you, you go nowhere. So that's that's kind of like uh, the yeah, reason why if, I asked. You know, when you're on the road,
1: one, it's weird because you can't go to bed at the same time every night. And you don't get the same hours of sleep every night. So, when you get up in the morning and you didn't get much sleep, it's hard to start. Like, this is what I usually do. So, this is what I want to do. Like, uh, the first week and a half of a tour, I don't sleep. Like, when we went to Russia, I got two hours sleep for four or five nights. And you're doing shows. And it's funny, you know what you need when you're singing? Sleep. It's probably the most important thing. But um, for me, it's like, and it took me a minute to find out. That I can't. Everybody has dinner at the venue at like six o'clock, and then they go play at eight, eight thirty. I can't do it. I gotta stop eating at five, and maybe have a couple of pieces of pineapple and some nuts before I walk on stage so I don't pass out. But I can't have a meal three, two hours before a show. I just can't. So, because um, I just feel heavy and and all that stuff. But you, you actually, when you told me about the. The one minute, two minute, one minute, two minute with walking and running on a treadmill. That that's when I came up with the ten minute mark for going on stage because I did that one day, just to start out, and I felt it, the benefit, immediately like that night. Wow, my knees feel more stable when I run in the day. So thank you for that. That's good. Yeah. That's
0: that's excellent. That's really good because, um, the, it's generally one of the. One of the great things that you can possibly do to yourself, because it, it 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 just and there's no you know age you can start with fifteen or you can start with seventy whatever you know. Yeah. There's, no, there's no like oh I'm too old to do this or I'm too young or whatever no.
1: No man, my is mom like... is 82 and she takes aerobics classes. She's 82. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. amazing. Dude, I think I'm pretty sure. I'm no, I'm not sure. I'm positive she still shovels the driveway. <laughs> I'm calling <laughs> so, yeah. and she's out of breath. I go, mom, what are you doing? She goes. <laughs> I just finished shoveling the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? But she, she likes, she. I get that from her. Is like, she still living active. in Toronto? Yeah. How often do you do you go? Well, um, see her? my family was just there visiting for three weeks while I've been on the road. So um, visiting you. I my mom. Las she, Vegas. Yeah, I saw them around Christmas, and then she came to visit us in February. And then my family went to, I, I went to Toronto for a few days to see my family and my mom and everybody for about three days before I flew to Russia. How, uh, how are you finding uh, now, uh,
0: you've been married now for six years, right? 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And family, kids, uh, how, how are you finding uh, this situation of like being away for long periods of time and then coming back and then dad is away husband is away yeah. and then dealing with things like you just said you know your wife is traveling she's driving on the motorway and it's raining and then you have all of those preoccupations uh. and then you're on the other side of the world
1: <laughs> and- well see that's the thing I mean it, it totally took over my life you know I mean that's why the drills record that we started recording the one that we just put out volume one we started recording that in 2014 so that's five years because you know John's calling hey we got a bunch of stuff then I got daddy stuff, then I got this stuff and that stuff and it's all, it took five years to record all those songs. Um, But becoming a dad, everything boils down to becoming a dad being like the best thing that ever happened to me. So, um, my son was born in 2013. Everybody says that. It's crazy. It's it's incredible. Especially being a musician, like when you, when you're playing a mega band like Bon Jovi and you do two sold out nights at Madison Square Garden, which is a dream venue when you're, A young musician being a dad like is is above that it just it's better than that it's and i love you know i'll play guitar and my son's like hey what are you doing i put on the guitar on him and i got him a little a miniature flying v with all six strings but i tune it to open g so he doesn't have to fret anything yet And and you plug him into a little black star fly and he runs around the house hitting an open G chord and doing pick slides because he saw me do a pick slide once so and my daughter loves to sing she's three and they both sing all the time and music's a big part of our life and he's also got a drum kit that he got from Tico for Christmas two years ago and um so he gets on that and it's funny because all he wants to do is drum solo right I try to show him a beat and he's like no no and he wants to just drum solo but when other kids come over and they get on the drum kit, they just bash around. But when he gets on the drum kit, he, you you see him do patterns, and I'm like, oh, you're doing, and you're hitting the snare, the kick, and the cymbal at the same time, and nobody told you to do that. That's pretty good <laughs> instincts, there, buddy. Good job. <laughs> How do you think you're gonna
0: approach, like, um, when time comes for them to uh, make decisions in terms of like uh, going to college or not, uh, pursuing a career? whichever career they might end up being interested in. I mean, how, uh, how do you think it's going to be your approach to that? Are you going to be supportive on, on, on oh, whatever yeah. they decide Man, to do? Or... Well, I
1: mean, you know what we learned from our parents? What to do and what not to do. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> you know, and my dad was amazing. But, uh, you know, um, I would totally support anything. I think, like my son might, might even want to be a chef. Because my my wife is an incredible cook, is she? And he wants to help her, and she got him a little chef hat, <laughs> and he's like not dicing anything yet, but you know she's like, hey honey, stir this, and he's like, I'm on it, and he's stirring, you know, the cake mix or whatever. She's an incredible baker too, so he wants to help her. And uh, do you have a sweet tooth yourself? I do, but I, I try to cut sugar out. Yeah, sugar is is my weakness. But what's um? But what's
0: the um... Say, uh, a treat that you ask
1: her to cook for you. Oh, on no, she... You know what I wanted to do? And I totally blew it when I got on the road. I wanted to be sugar-free at 53. Mm. The whole year. Let's not have any sugar. Like, refined but sugar. What, refined sugar, right. You know, like, I mean, fruit is okay, just a mm-hmm. little bit. But uh, nothing that's got a lot of sugar in it at all. So, But I blew it when I came out here. It's because it's if you have a weakness, the road... Is going to feed it. <laughs> yeah. And those caterings, they're really good.
0: I, can, I mean... Well, you know, it's... You good. know, traveling... I mean, it's... Yeah. All, uh, those big tourist catering is always great. And you stay on those great hotels with amazing breakfast in the morning. It's really difficult yeah. to... I mean, obviously, that gets to a point that um, it's not a novelty anymore. But even so, you get yeah. to see that all the time. It's just difficult to pass on, right? But it's...
1: Yeah, but I, I do... I, tr- I try my best. And then last year, me and Obi O'Brien. Obi O'Brien is... Bon Jovi's has been Bon Jovi's broadcast engineer. So anything that airs on TV or anything like now when they put stuff on YouTube and it's a mixed show, it's a multi-track mixed show. Obi is a guy who mixes that. He's a broadcast engineer, but he's also been John's best friend for 32 years. Um, me and him, we have a ritual on show day. So we had to modify it because of the sugar thing last year. And the year before, we started having, there was an amazing show after us having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at 4.38, the day of the show. So then we started having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) at 4.38, the day of the show. And one time he couldn't make it because he had to go home, so we had to FaceTime it. (laughs) No way. We did a, hey, man, cheers. Seriously. (laughs) And so now I'm like, Obi, what are we going to do, man? I'm not having sugar. Mm. So we started having peanut butter and bacon.
0: Oh my god! What oh, peanut butter and
1: bacon? Peanut butter and bacon, dude. It's amazing. Does it work? Peanut butter and bacon on toasted pita. Well, you know what? So I mean, you're getting I don't your proteins eat... and your fats and a little bit of carbs for the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm not. I don't, I don't eat uh, bacon anymore. But, um, but I do like a combination that here in the UK, it's ex- people look at me like, like I'm a crazy man. But I love it. Let's see if you ever tried it. Uh, cheese, uh-huh. cheddar cheese, normal cheese with peanut butter uh-huh. that's one thing you roll it peanut butter in the middle cheese and peanut butter the other thing would be cheese Nutella or a chocolate spread roll it and eat it <laughs> those two different things however you can you know uh, improve that you can mix both Nutella and peanut butter and roll it or you can make a toasty out of it with you know bread. whatever
1: everything you're saying right now I'm throwing bacon in it
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I should have tried it while I was, while I was still a, a while meat still eater.
1: While you're still eating meat? Yeah, exactly. Man, um, it's funny because uh, I'm a big burger fan. If I'm going to... love burgers. Yeah, so I go out and um, and usually I get a burger. Have you tried burger. the Beyond Meat burger? The what? Beyond Meat. It's a big
0: one in yes, America and it's just hitting us now here. Yes. That's delicious. It really is
1: because <laughs> it, it really fools your mind. Oh
0: my God. God, man, you had a feast of that 606 back in February. Oh, yeah. Jesus, sausages and beyond. Oh, my goodness. Seriously, that that that, st- that stuff is incredible. It really it is re- I mean, people are saying that literally like in 25 years, animal uh, produce will be like... Uh, totally non-existent. That's what people are saying. That in twenty-five years, the, on the way, the, on the scale that things are going, on the evolution of how those uh, 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 products are—I mean, it's just getting to a point that it—it it literally tastes better than the actual thing. Yeah, Beyond Meat is one of those. It's yeah. really incredible. Do they it's
1: very have good. Beyond Bacon?
0: That's the thing. All of the vegan vegetarian forms of bacon—they are horrible. A far cry from the real thing. So,
1: check this out. <laughs> Because this is where the peanut butter and bacon came from. I was at a restaurant and I saw a a burger. I was looking at the burgers and uh, I asked the server. I go, what's your Mac Daddy burger here? What's the most popular one? Oh, our PB&J burger. I'm like, what? So it's peanut butter, grape jam, bacon on a cheeseburger. And it was fantastic. Grape jam. Yeah. Now I don't do jam now, but I get peanut butter, bacon on a cheeseburger.
0: Man, I mean, honestly, I, I would love to try that. I really would. But um, you need
1: Beyond Bacon and Beyond uh Well, meat,
0: but, but that's the thing. Burger. My approach my approach to, to, to the diet and to this whole subject is just basically looking back on evolution. Uh, evolution. How did we evolve to get here? You right. Know? We always ate meat. We used to hunt. Animals, and it would be uh, a feast and a cele- celebration know, in the family. So my approach is I'm not radical. Do you know what I mean? No, I but do I make understand ev- that. every now and then, when I say every now and then, probably like five times during the course of a year, yeah. I will make an exception for like something like in Los Angeles in February, I love in and out I mean, wow. I I have a
1: thing with In and Out.
0: Yeah. You know, it's because maybe it. the first time I got to Los Angeles, the first meal that I had in LA was that, and was having just a great time of
1: my life. See, when I go to In and Out, I have protein style, which is no bun.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: because oh, you don't eat bread, right? I try not to.
0: Good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I think it always depends on, on. Like for me, bread is good. Bread is is good to have around. Because, well, this uh, is the thing.
1: See, I don't. I try not to eat bread, but you know what my favorite thing is bread. <laughs> Pizza, pizza is amazing. Pizza is amazing, and then I love Italian food. So if you're not having like starchy carbs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you want to kill yourself when you go. You can't go to an Italian restaurant and everybody else eat pasta and pizza and all that stuff, and you're having like, what do you? What do you having? I'm but
0: but how do how do you, I mean if you so you, so you just try not to eat as much as you perhaps would want to, but you do eat those starchy foods every now and then. Like mm-hmm. pasta and cake and, cakes and once, brownies. It's, it's once and in a blue moon. Danish pastries and
1: stuff no, like No, it'll that. be like not even once a week. I'd say once every two weeks.
0: So basically, at catering, you just have, say, uh, at, at the venue you said you don't eat before the gig. So you always pass on dinner, basically? No, no, no.
1: Uh, I, you know, and, you, the and then you get on the jet sometimes and they have they have food, food on the jet. So it on, depending on what they have. And you know what? If you haven't had dinner... And then you do a two and a half hour show, you're you, depleted, so you need to put something in there. And sometimes I'll just do nuts, but you know, on some, stage you just drink water.
0: You just have water.
1: Yeah. be yeah. we could have an in and out truck right by the stage, <laughs> right? <laughs> and what's
0: the? Um, do you know what's the? Um, what's John's drink? Do you know where is he drinking? Is he tea?
1: He drinks water, but in a cup. Because he has like two different cups. Yeah, one cup is. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. No, it can't no? be. It can't be bad. Just um, he's got a tea. I don't know what kind of tea it is, but he's got, it's hot, and he's got like 12 holes <laughs> um, dissolving in his tea. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's, I've never I heard of that. I've never heard of it either. Have you tried it? No. Have you ever tried it? No.
1: no. Everybody's got their trick, right? My trick is, some people, you know we were talking about it earlier, some people warm up a lot and... Yeah, tell me about that. What's your, do you, do you have, do, do you follow like,
0: are you very particular at, I don't know, half an hour before stage time, I have to do this, or how, how do you approach that?
1: Um, Both once I get with my, the voice yeah, and once, with the guitar. Well, I do practice my, like, sometimes if I'm feeling like my hands aren't in sync, I'll go into the tuning room, or warm up room, whatever you want to call it, and I'll do some of the solos from the night. I'll do uh, the solo to Raise Your Hands, the solo to Born to Be My Baby. The solos to One Dead or Alive and Living on a Prayer are easy. But sometimes, once in a while, your left hand wants to go, No! (laughs) So you just run it down, you know? But um, I I find if I practice too much, if I warm up too much, that doesn't work for me either because my hands... I don't even know how to describe it. Sometimes you warm up not enough. you got to find the right place where you go on stage and, you, okay, my hands are talking to each other. Everything's good. And when would that be for you? Like half an hour before stage time? Um, I start getting into my gear 30 minutes before. So, like, right... When everybody's having dinner, I go into the warm-up room. Because then, if everybody else is in the warm-up room, you're not warming up. Everybody, you know, Hugh's on the bass... Um, David Bryan does his keyboard warm-up, which is awesome. I watch him. He, he does all the complicated stuff that he's got to play in the night during a show. He does at triple speed. <laughs> triple speed. <laughs> Next song. <laughs> okay, done. So so, wow. I know, it's pretty amazing. Everybody else does stuff slow. He does it s triple speed. But um, vocally, I, I find that... Uh, um, I'll just do a, ah, like something. Like my background part in, uh, I did it the other day, my background part in Born to Be My Baby, if I just do one chorus of that, I can go on stage and have a great show. Because <gasps> um, Everett, um, our, our, he's uh, our percussion player, and he also, also is a great singer. He does a lot of backgrounds, and uh, he's, he's, he's an example of warming up singing and cooling down but we were in the in the van the other day and shanks asked everett he goes okay how does because everett's played with bruce springsteen
0: oh seriously
1: so he goes how does how does bruce warm up Hmm. he goes the first three songs of the show and the same thing with Daughtry. Daughtry, Chris Daughtry is an amazing, one of my favorite singers. And he takes the first couple of songs to warm up, does not warm up before he gets on stage. So, I mean, if it's okay it's for... Th- you
0: know, it's very particular. We were talking earlier on about it, how people approach this. Everybody has
1: a different instrument. Every- not every technique works for every singer. So it's finding the... Every, it's finding, knowing your instrument and finding what works for you.
0: Um, going a little bit back, uh, when you're talking about uh, you and O'Brien having your sandwich in the afternoon, uh, do, uh, is the band recording those shows? Like, is every show being recorded? Like, just uh, yes, yeah, and saved yeah. for whatever purpose of well, and and filmed because I saw I noticed cameras yesterday. Yeah, and the cameras the and everything
1: that you see on the big on the big screens at the show that is that's that, all being documented, documented and it's taped on the fly, and then sometimes they tweak it because they, they have everything. Uh, archived um content today is a day where content is king and fans want content so we we're not a live streaming kind of band but if you archive everything and then put out this is hey check out on the new on the bon jovi site we have this house is not for sale from moscow and then uh, next week it'll be, hey, we have. I'll be there for you for you from Estonia. So, I think content keeps everybody happy,
0: for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, you, the drills need to crack on on that.
1: I know, man. I'm working <laughs> on. it. <laughs> right?
0: Got to do it. Got to do it. Is that is that an Instagram page for the drills? I tried to search for it and I couldn't find it.
1: Dude, I think there is, but I'm so. <laughs> I need, I need an intern, a, a staff of interns. <laughs> staff of interns. You <laughs> can stay on top of everything.
0: Um, uh, are there any subjects uh, you enjoy exploring outside uh, of the ones, you know, that uh, we've been talking about? Like we talk obviously a lot about music and we talk about family. But is there anything in particular that you are curious about that every now and then you watch documentaries or you read a book or you talk about it and i know something outside of this
1: well you do have to find something that clicks with you when you have downtime, because uh everybody says oh my god you're so positive and oh my god you're so you're happy all the time and i i i think i exude joy on stage because i love it so much but i have a dark side which is if i'm in a hotel room And it's raining and you can't really go out and go for a walk because I love going for walks. I love seeing other cities, other countries. I love that. But if it's raining out and you can't go outside and you're stuck in your hotel room and you can't go down to the lobby because there's fans waiting there. And I don't mind meeting fans, but sometimes you're not in the mood, right? You could get depressed. (laughs) So what do you do, you know, especially if this is why I hate days off. Because if I'm not working, I want to be with my family. And because we don't have a beam Me Up Scotty transporter yet, I'm stuck in a hotel room when it's raining outside. So, um, this is where you have to find things um, that uh, keep you busy. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, sometimes it's playing guitar, but sometimes you don't even want to look at a guitar on the day off. So, I'm writing lyrics, now it's poetry, and something's coming out that's creative, and that's the outlet that I have, and other times, you know, because if you're feeling, if you're really wishing your family, I'm sorry, missing, if you're really missing your family, and you do a FaceTime with your son, and your son, who is five, goes, Daddy, did you know that there's a different Superman, and he's got a spacesuit that's kryptonite-proof? Do you know that makes him indestructible? Even if he's against Batman and Batman has like a kryptonite staff. And, and okay, buddy. Oh, thanks. Okay, daddy, m- mommy's got dinner on, so I'm got, I'll talk to you later. And then you hang up and you're like, and you go from, that was the most amazing thing of the day. Now what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're always, you always need something that can, and sometimes it's, you're binging on a, a, a show or somebody says, "Hey, you got to watch this special by this comedian because I love comedians. So I love to laugh like anybody else. So now you're watching Netflix all the time, and now you don't want to watch.
0: Wa- Do you have any particular ones that they really like?
1: Yeah, actually, I just watched the first series of uh, the uh, Kaminsky Method with Michael Douglas. Uh huh. Yes, I Alan watched Arkin. a few episodes.
0: Yeah, I got into some of those episodes. Yeah, I yeah, but yet it yet goes from
1: it. being quirky and funny to you're crying. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and I love that. I love all the emotions are present. <laughs> but um, so I, I just I watched the the entire first series I think in two nights, and it's not a lot because it's Netflix. There isn't that many episodes. But there's also an animated, um, an animated uh, Netflix series called Big Mouth.
0: That one I haven't no, haven't heard of it.
1: It's 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 about kids discovering. Puberty and and it's so hilarious and it's animated. It's animated and you connect with it. And I think one of the creators is Nick Kroll. He's a uh, he's um he's uh, he's been in movies and stuff, but he's what's the name again? I need to check. Big that. Mouth. Big Mouth. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but I laughed more than I ever laughed in the first two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. Yes, yeah, sometimes you. I mean, honestly. Um, there's certain like for example, I love Two and a Half Men back when Charlie really? Sheen was on it. Of course, it. yes. And um that's something that for me, if if I need if I want to have a laugh, if I you know, if I'm feeling like not great for whatever reason yeah. and I just need some something to some external stimulus,
1: but I would the, put on the all writing up. was amazing. Mm. You know, it's like The Simpsons. Simpsons is going on what, thirty something episodes? right seasons it's not episodes right seasons, seasons. exactly <laughs> that's like incredible yeah
0: it is it, 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 but i think one of the f- the things that made that um so successful as well was the fact that charlie Sheen was basically just being himself yes on the show yeah which is like you know kind of like unheard like this guy becoming this <laughs> massive character and it's actually him yeah. That must have been complicated to deal with, especially like, you know, making $2 million per episode back in the day when he was the highest uh, American television actor paid. That's I mean, crazy. it's crazy. I mean, yeah. that, well, hence why the guy went a bit
1: <laughs> Yeah, crazy. but then at the same time, they, you know, it, they if he's gone, then you can't really carry on.
0: Oh, no, yeah. Well, they carried on with Ashton Kutcher and Which, I didn't get into it, to be no. honest. No, not really. Mm. Um,
1: you, but it's one of those things like, uh, you know... Everything has a recipe. Everything has a formula that works, and when you stray from it, it's hard. Uh,
0: do you think that uh, if uh, what's currently happening on your life right now, or re- let's put it this way, in recent years, last six years, yeah. you know, being married, kids, being on like the dream gig of anybody, um, if it had happened, say, twenty-five years ago? Do you think your approach would have been different to the whole thing? Do you think that? uh, Do you think you would have turned into maybe someone slightly different than you actually are now? I know it's a very it's difficult to, but like thinking to yourself, you know, and trying to see Phil twenty five years ago, how uh, you were dealing with life in general, and if being in search. I don't think I would have.
1: I know what you're saying. I know what you're asking. I don't think I would have lasted, because. But why, um,
0: but why do you think you wouldn't have lost it? Because you like you know, you're not somebody that has ever been uh, uh kind of a party guy. No. Or like that.
1: Being at the age that I was when I first got the call, I I had uh um nobody had to tell me play it like this and sing it like this because I did my homework and I was in the right state of mind to pick how I played stuff, I didn't try to put too much Phil X into the gig. Like I always say when people say, what's it like kind of thing, you know? So if you have Richie on one side and then you have Phil X on the other side, it's a guy in the middle that shows up and does the gig and delivers every night. Um, I don't think I could have processed that 25 years ago. I would have tried to put more of me into this the situation like even now on stage i'm in the backseat when i play with the drills that's full on phil x and bon jovi it's more reserved backseat phil x and then and keep the faith when john goes take the wheel i take the wheel but then he comes back he says give me that wheel back (laughs) and but he enjoys it too, right? He he enjoys that we get, you know, me and and David and and it's, Shanks. It's we get definitely to, a
0: highlight of the concert. We,
1: we get to get our energy out and do our thing. So it's a really important part of the show, and it was. It's always been John's idea. You know, I'm going to walk off. You guys do your thing, and then I'll come back. So I wouldn't. I don't think I would have been able to process the the level of my input at the time. Mm -hmm. I think it took, it's just like, I don't think I would have been ready for fatherhood 25 years ago. Like I was 47 when my son was born, 50 when my daughter was born. So, you know, you're doing the math and, and it's like, it's not, it's late in life, of course. And I love being a dad more than anything, but I don't know if I would have been ready 25 years ago. I'm really glad I waited the math I'm doing now is I'm gonna, you know, my daughter's gonna be 16. I'll be, I'm gonna be 66. So I need to go to keep going to the gym and buy a gun. <laughs> you know? and, and, and ho- Eating well, going
0: to the gym, all that jogging, stuff. Yeah, do a lot of biohacking. Like for example, the turmeric and the cinnamon on your coffee today. That you're a bit, yeah, you biohacker,
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking that stuff in. What am I drinking, dirt? <laughs>
0: Delicious goodness for your system, my friend. Totally. Yes.
1: Well, you know what? We also found out there's always huge plates of pineapple backstage because it's a it's a great anti-inflammatory for singing and stuff. So we're we're aware of that. And I know the strawberries have the enzymes, and the blueberries have anti. Strawberries anti- you accidents. have to be careful
0: if they're not organic. They're one of the worst. The worst. Yeah, worse, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's really really bad. Actually, it's worse than I know. And I've heard.
1: Tomatoes aren't good for you anymore.
0: Exactly, unless if they're organic. Yeah.
1: But even organic, there's always a level of Really? Yes. There's especially tomatoes. The way And and tomatoes are actually one of the healthiest.
0: They are on the top of the I fruit know. and the vegetable chain, but you know, the, as The
1: way even the organic ones are processed now, there's something on that's on the tomato that is causing leaky gut. In the world which is um the acid is eating holes in your intestines seriously oh my goodness yeah we okay. should google everybody I'll, google that every, shit.
0: yeah i will i will most certainly google that shit because i want to know because i eat toma- tomatoes every like five days a week at least yeah yeah um well well talking about food uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> talking about food um do you w- when you're at home Do you like again? I know I I touch this uh, quite a bit because um, I'm interested on this kind of subject, and I like to ask uh, guests on the show. Do you normally do you tend to have like the same kind of breakfast every morning, or or is it it's just whatever you have at home and whatever your maybe your wife is cooking making for the kids that you're gonna eat a bit of that, or you or you're not much of a breakfast kind
1: of guy. I'm not a breakfast guy. I mean, I love breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. <laughs> Wait a second. It's the breakfast food of the day. Uh, all right. So sometimes I'll have breakfast for dinner. But um I just find if I eat in the morning, I'm starving all day long. Mm. So to avoid that to avoid that, I just I have coffee and water until one. Mm. And then I'll have lunch and then I'll have dinner and then I'm done. It's like it's almost it's it's like uh, what do they call it? Like intermittent fasting, almost because mm-hmm. you don't, you stop eating at eight o'clock and then you don't eat again until one.
0: It's really good for you. Yeah, it it is it is really good for you. I mean, have you ever tried um, longer than that? Have you ever tried fasting yeah. longer than that?
1: There was a, a couple of weeks that I went by that I didn't eat until five.
0: Okay, but you, have you ever tried like a twenty-four hour fasting? Like
1: no, no. But I've done the Master Cleanse where all you've had is liquids for ten days. What? Yeah.
0: Walk me through. What is it?
1: Okay, so the master cleanse is basically water, (laughs) um, lemons, maple syrup, Mm -hmm. and cayenne pepper. Excellent. Okay. So, and you may, you know, morning you make three bottles of this stuff. There's three lemons, three tablespoons of maple syrup, and uh, an eighth of a tablespoon of cayenne pepper in each bottle. I mean, if you can handle more cayenne, better, the better, because it's like a scrub brush, and it's powerful for your metabolism as well. It really is, and um, erections as well. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, could be. I'm Fifty-three, man. <laughs> so, so uh, it's, um, it's, 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 uh, it's just a very. Um, I mean, at first, the first few days is really, really hard because you're not eating anything. And then after six days, you're kind of like, you miss chewing, (laughs) right? Because you're just drinking liquid all day long. And then-
0: You you managed to go through like days of just that. You must have lost like-
1: how a lot of weight well it's it's one of those things if, if people do it to lose weight but you can't do it to lose weight because as soon as you start you wean off after a 10-day fast then you're you just have juice and then the next day you can work in some soup and then the third day back maybe you can have some vegetables and some fruit but if you like on the fourth day go to a cheeseburger all that weight comes back
0: <laughs> but how how i mean wow 10 days that sounds Incredible and and extre- incredibly hard as well. I've it done is hard. I've done forty eight hours. Yeah, and I can. I mean, I had
1: uh, just like juicing.
0: No, no, no. forty eight hours of, of nothing. Just water. Just water and black tea. Um,
1: and you pass out, or you just don't do anything. But
0: that's the thing you see. Uh, I think what happens to you. I think everybody should uh, go through the process because uh, you. When was the last time that you would consciously remember that you stayed? Uh, 24 hours with no food never because from the moment that you were born you were fed and you're never going to stay without food if it's not a necessity and because that's how society is nowadays because there's a massive uh, uh, um, financial interest behind on People, you know, eating, 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 eating for several, several reasons. Eating Most of the more. commercials on TV, exactly, and and not only that, but like uh, eating crap. Because if you eat crap, you're gonna get ill, and then there's a massive pharmaceutical industry ready to give you a pill for an ill. Right, of course. So uh, all of those things. But the th- the fact is, you yourself. Well, you went through ten days. I mean, did you die? No, you won't die. I mean, we used to go f- for like thousands. And thousands of years, sometimes you would go f- days without food and you would still have to go out there and run around and try to find and kill an animal to bring back home to feed your family. Right. Um, but the thing is, for me, the what I can, uh, not that I ever went through it, but I imagine uh, a withdrawal. You know, you get a headache, your yeah. mood
1: goes down. See, even you, coffee. You know, if I don't have coffee for a couple of days, I start getting a headache.
0: Oh, but yes. Because I love coffee. How much do you drink
1: of the black thing? Um, I'll have a couple of cups in the morning and then in the afternoon and I stop at a particular time. Otherwise, you know, you don't sleep, but, um, on the master cleanse, no coffee. So you have a terrible headache because of that withdrawal of the caffeine. But, and then once that stops, you actually, you don't, people are like, how do you have energy? I go, I don't know, but I'd go to the gym on the cleanse. Um, I'd I'd uh, just go about my day, you know. I take a bottle with me. Even go out to dinner with the kids and and my wife, and we'd be at a restaurant, and they all order food, and I'm just drinking my. Um, I'll have either my uh, concoction or a, a a tea, like a green tea or something like that.
0: Interesting, very interesting.
1: But um, so t- ten days goes by, and then weaning off is tough too. But before you know it, you've you know you've lost like seventeen pounds, mm-hmm. which is they say it's unhealthy, but then you don't, it doesn't stay off. Some will come back and mm-hmm. you just really gotta watch what you eat. But um, I do that when I feel like I need to, like, oh man, I,
0: you know. I don't think, I mean, I don't think I could go uh, for 10 days. It's something that I definitely one day wanna try, but like with the amount of running that I do per week, it's just impossible to. I'd be
1: surprised. To see what happened if you tried it, and if you may- could maintain your running schedule on just i not I don't, sure I, do, I
0: don't think, uh, I don't think it's actually doable, um, because um, it depends. If you just go for jogs, that's one thing. But I actually follow a specific uh, structured training plan. So I go on a track, and then I do two hundred meter intervals at. You know, eighty wow. percent of my capacity, and it's yeah, it's a so you're sprinting,
1: sprinting, yeah, 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 and then you, and then you break. Then you Feel my friends,
0: to... I just did between um, March and just uh, three, four weeks ago, when was it? End of May, I did three half marathons and one full marathon. I ran uh, Berlin half marathon in one hour and 23 minutes, and I did Hamburg marathon, which is 26.2 miles, 42K, in two hours and 55 minutes. Almost three
1: hours, 25 miles?
0: No, 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 26.2 miles in uh-huh. two hours and 55 minutes.
1: I hey, man, I was just averaging out, man, relax. No, 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 26.2. I'm very,
0: yeah, no, I'm
1: so proud in of that. almost three hours. Yeah. No, 255.
0: But it, And I'll tell you why, because um, only 2%, when you imagine uh, people that run the marathon throughout the course of their lives, yeah. Uh, that's not many, even though, that's not many, even though you see like thousands of people showing up on yeah. the starting line, that's still a vast majority of the world's population that will, one they say, hey, I did a marathon, right? right? Yeah. And out of that group of people that say, hey, I did a marathon on my time, yeah. uh, only 2% will run a marathon, a sub three marathon under three hours. So it requires a lot of training, a lot of consistency. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm, I I'm knew another proud. guy
1: who ran a marathon and he, uh. I think it was 26.2 miles. And I think... <laughs> it was a marathon, it was three three hours. But he goes... That's great. But he said, it would have been under three hours if I didn't stop at McDonald's and take a crap. Ah,
0: come on.
1: What? No way. I mean, he's either a serious... I mean... I mean, if you really got to go, you got to go. You got to go. I... <laughs>
0: I don't know if you're being serious now. Uh, no, I'm being make... totally serious. Yeah? Okay. He well, literally
1: stopped at a, at a McDonald's. He, I'm not making it up.
0: But, for, but So he is a fit man to yeah. run a marathon in three hours, and that's including a pit stop on the toilet. A pit
1: stop. I should, I should have just kept it short, like a pit stop at <laughs> McDonald's.
0: <laughs> Phil, do you follow um, any, do you have any like, follow, do you have any spiritual uh, practices? Do you believe in anything? Is there any? I believe in there's a higher
1: power looking out um i grew up greek orthodox but i i had decided early on that uh it was very hypocritical and even when i was when i was a kid it was you know it was confusing to see all these greek guys these you know uncles friends of my dad and stuff like this and it seems like everybody's You know, they talk one way and act another way. And then on Sunday, everybody's saved, so to speak, you know. And um, as a kid watching that, I I just felt like it was kind of, you know, not something that I wanted to abide by. Is abide the right word? I don't know. Um, I do feel like, you know, karma is a big part of our lives. I do feel like, you know, how do you want to describe it? We joke about stuff, right? We joke that uh, um, God's a woman, has a great rack, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But we, uh, you know, I mean, you learn about all these different religions and you learn about all this stuff and read books. And my brother was the most... um, when he, Even when he was in university, you know, learning about engineering and, and computers and all that stuff, you know, he read the Satanic Bible and I'm like, what you doing? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, even the Bible says to know your enemy. And I was like, right, but I would have never thought in a million years to read the Satanic Bible, right? So everybody, you know, you learn a lot from other people that you respect. You know, do you know if he actually read the actual Bible? Yeah, uh, Catholic. Yeah, I mean, we grew up. See, um, my mom put us in. You know, we went to Sunday school, but we were learning how to read in Greek. So um, you will learn about. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a really weird. Like I, my mom wanted us to be normal, whatever she thought normal was. That's why when I was born, my grandfather's name is Theophilus. So my mom's like, Theophilus, Theophilus, what could that be, Theophilus? And then a the said, oh, well, it could be Phil, Philip, <laughs> you know? And then, okay, so I'm just gonna, we're going to call him Phil, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, and, and she also, there was another family on the block that, you know, they were sending the, their kids to a Christian a- academy. So my mom's like, well, let's send our kids to a Christian academy because we were getting into trouble in the regular high school. So we went to a christian academy but then again it was like every monday you know they this was even further in than the greek orthodox this is like no rock and roll none of this none of that and the 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 anger of god and the wrath the wrath and all that stuff and i'm and and then you're trying to do the math but th- your math is being interrupted by every monday there was a sermon and I had this friend. I'm going to go out and say, Dave Sims saved me because he was sitting beside me. And, the, you know, the principal is like no rock and roll. You want to play guitar, you can play anything, but you can't play rock and roll kind of thing. And then it's the devil's music. Right. And then the, 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 the pastor was like, OK, so if you don't want to burn in the fires of hell, pull your put your hand up. And we can have a private discussion after the sermon. Everybody's head's bowed. And I'm feeling like I don't want to burn in hell. So I'm raising my hand. And Dave Sims goes, can I have your ACDC records? (laughs) And the hand came back down. And screw that. Screw that. (laughs) And I'm serious. Do you still have those records? Yeah, man. I'm completely serious. I mean, because when when you really dig deep into, you have to... Feel not only comfortable with what you believe, you have to feel safe, right? And I was feeling like, wait a minute, if God loves all His children unconditionally, why is there a wrath? <laughs> <laughs> why is He getting angry? That that's a condition, <laughs> right? So I-, I
0: love the way you 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 just. Uh... Describe the whole thing because it, it's when you try w- w- when you put attention into it, it's all so um, manipulated and, yeah. and and passed in uh, and, and and delivered to to us and to kids and to people in
1: in a in a fear based presentation in a fear based presentation,
0: presentation yeah. because uh, in a way it is uh, a, f- a form of control because you're trying to control and what's the Best way to control society, to control people, it's fear, right? When you when you're under threat, you you know you 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 follow whatever you know the government or the authorities will tell you to do because you want to be safe. Yeah, and and that's like psychologically, it's a massive, massive trouble. to everybody, to, to, you know, especially well, when you were a kid, like, getting your brain yes. formed.
1: And that's, it, what, that's what I was talking about when you're in church. When we were in church, when we were kids, you know, they, sometimes you stand and sometimes you sit. And then everybody stands and then everybody sits. And then you go, how come sometimes we stand and sometimes we sit? And the answer was, shh. There was no answer. Just be quiet. We're in church. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's no answers. And then... And then it was funny, though, because, I mean, I have a lot of respect for the Greek church. I I baptized both my kids because my mom, you know, I love my mom. And she goes, you have to baptize the kids. And I'm like, okay, I'll baptize the kids for you. But we're, my kids were both baptized where I was baptized and where my parents got married 50 years ago. So I I respect the church in that in that way and and the there's actually a funny thing where um the priest came up to me and uh when i was a kid the greek part of the sermon was greek and the english part so the kids could understand was very broken it was a broken english very greek thick greek accent um version so but this guy came up to me and his greek was perfect and his english was perfect and i thought oh this is, this is cool you know my wife's gonna understand everything and it's gonna be great right and then after the sermon he comes up and he goes so uh i hear you're a musician <laughs> And i'm like yeah did
0: you have your head down
1: right i'm like yeah and he's like yeah i uh, i used to rock the keyboards <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, man. Yeah. I'm like, first of all, nobody ever rocked the keyboard. (laughs) It was just kind of funny. It was a really funny story. uh,
0: But uh, he was just
1: a really cool dude. You know, like you could feel like you could hang out with this guy. You know, it was kind of cool.
0: Do you have a family back in Greece that you know
1: of? Uh, There are, uh, most of the family moved to migrate it to Canada, and um, but my mom talks about cousins that she still has there, and nieces and nephews. Did you
0: ever acquire the citizenship?
1: Did I what the citizenship, the Greek citizenship? I don't even have a U.S. citizenship, but <laughs> 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 I have a I have a green card.
0: Um, but uh, but that's you know what I know. Somebody should've...
1: somebody met, my brother actually wants to he we talked about it. He wants to get his Greek citizenship, so when he travels to Europe, it's like uh, exactly yeah. so much it's so, so convenient. We've talked about it. It's extremely
0: convenient. And I didn't know till last year when I was touring America and had uh, four shows in Canada. And one of the guys uh, in the crew basically, there was one of the guys in the crew that couldn't go to uh, Canada for whatever reasons he got himself he into trouble. He had a record, exactly. So yeah. he was basically not doing those four shows. So I had to go after a tech only for those four shows in Canada. Wow. Well, throughout the process, I found this guy, and this guy was just like, Honestly, management was like, you know what? The other one is giving us too much trouble. Let's just get this guy for the whole tour. But then Canadian can't really work in the US no. with a Canadian passport. He Indian. would have to, we would have to apply for a working visa. A visa yeah. And I had no idea. I would yeah. have thought that Canadians and US citizens were kind of like Europeans, There's you know what a I mean? There's border, yeah. My goodness, I had no idea. I was literally like... Because in my head was always one thing. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. And, uh, I've had a, I have had a few friends that were on tour and they tried to go up to the U.S. and they got stopped about an issue that was 25 years ago. Like you'd think it would be off that person's record, mm-hmm. but but no, they're really picky. On going either way, but it was really nice for me to get a, a green card. Um, it because, is oh, honestly wow
0: yeah. yeah for me it's the last it's the last piece on the puzzle because I have three Well another, right. I've just
1: read today my buddy Pete Thorne in California he just got his citizenship because he's also Canadian and he's pretty you know I mean I, I get it he was like I've, I've lived here for so long and I, I couldn't vote and didn't have any rights and I wanted to vote and have rights and have a voice so I've, I've got you know he went and got his uh, now it's dual. You know, Canadian and American, which is really cool. You it know? is cool, yeah. And, and good for him. And it's something I probably might do down the road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Why not? Right? I mean, if you. If so you have, I can at least vote, right? Exactly. And, and to be honest with you, um, I think uh, thinking on your kids, because that's what my parents did, you know. Um, my dad's side of the family came from Italy. My grandparents were Italian. And uh, my grandparents from my mom's side of the family were Spanish. In the south of Brazil, it's. Very common that yeah. we were colonized by uh, Dutch, Spanish, Italians, and all of that. So uh, back in the day, my dad just, my mom and dad, they just basically went after all the doc- documents that were needed in order to apply for the Italian citizenship, not thinking of them that one day they would move to Europe, but thinking about the kids. And honestly, it's one of the best uh, gifts that they uh, uh, could have possibly given to me yeah. because you know years ago when I decided to move permanently to to the UK, uh, if it wasn't because of that with the Brazilian passport. Uh, alone, it would have. I would have. Would have had uh, probably you know a very difficult, very difficult situation in order to get a visa. I would have right. to prove a lot of, of stuff. And long story short, then that Italian citizenship, which I don't even speak Italian, never lived in Italy, led me to you know acquire my British citizenship, which now, on the face of the you know Brexit and all this bullshit, that we just have no idea what actually is going to happen, yeah. um, puts me on a very comfy. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, position of whatever happens, I'm, I'm okay. That's awesome. You know, so, um, but then, that's a thought for, you know, your little ones because yeah, they, they would know. definitely like be citizens of the world, Canadians, Americans, and Europeans. They can yeah. go and work anywhere, anywhere yeah. on the planet. Yeah. So, food for thought that. Uh, before we, uh, I want to start uh, wrapping up this amazing conversation. I have a feeling we could just. And we went down a lot of roads here. <laughs> we did. We did. And and it's a roller coaster. A roller coaster, exactly. <laughs> and I have a feeling we could just keep going. But that's, you know, that's a first. I'm sure we're going to be doing this uh, yeah. again at some point soon. Yeah. Um, I have some roller coaster questions for you, but before I get into those, I just wanted to ask you um, something that was from the beginning of the conversation, the back of my mind, but I couldn't get into it. When and how did you get the call uh, for to 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 do the first gigs with uh, Bon Jovi, and and just the gigs while you're filling in? And uh, uh, did they explain clearly what was the situation or was it something that you just did those gigs and then eventually you didn't know exactly what was going on and you didn't want to ask? But what, what was their approach in, in terms of like uh, the bureaucracy of getting someone to fill in on such a delicate situation? Yeah. And then that's question number one, sorry. <laughs> question number two is when did they actually call and say, hey, listen, uh, we want to talk to you and we want you to actually be in the band and record a new album and... If you could talk a little bit about that,
1: yeah, it's um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big thing, <laughs> but it's it's um, it was clear, but it was also vague. Like um, I had met John Shanks at Henson because he had a studio there, and I was in Studio D, and he knew I was I was recording with Kenny Ernoff who him their brothers because they played with Melissa. At the, Melissa Etheridge together, and then Chris Cheney is a bass god in LA st- sessions and stuff like that. So he knew Kenny. So it was like he'd walk in to the studio area. The you know we're having lunch, and he goes, "Hey Kenny, hey Chris, hey uh, guitar guy." He didn't know me yet, but then one day he came into Studio D where we were recording, and he came straight to me, and he goes, "You are a funny motherfucker," <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "I." started watching your videos last night and I couldn't stop. And, and he said, uh, it's, and it sounds not only are you fun is you can play and sing anything. I was just really impressed. And I had to tell you, and I'm like, great. Two weeks go by, I think two weeks, let's just say two weeks. And he calls me and he goes, Phil, I think I got a gig for you, but I can't tell you what it is over the phone. (laughs) Can you come by my studio tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. So I come by the studio and he said, uh, I got a call from John Bon Jovi because, uh, you know, they've had a couple of instances where Richie either couldn't walk on the stage or he got on stage and couldn't really perform. So he's in a position where he needs somebody on standby. And he asked me, because I know everybody, and I said, you. And I'm like, wait what exactly are we talking about right now? (laughs) You're talking about me filling in for Richie Zambora. And I thought the first thing in my head is you can't do it. Don't do it. Don't, you just don't even think about it. And he goes, yeah. And here's a contract and here's a statement of confidentiality. And, uh, you know, I made a call to the lawyer and, uh, or the management and we, there was discussions and didn't talk to anybody in the band. And I couldn't tell anyone. And in the contract, it was, you might come out, you might not come out, but we need you to be prepared. So you're going to learn a two and a half hour show and be ready. And it might be, you might get a rehearsal, you might get a sound check, you might just walk on stage. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. Mm. So, um and even then it wasn't about getting a gig it was about helping out an act that might need help and that that was you know i uh, i did i learned the show and I, so I i you know when i i said don't do it don't do it but i yeah that might be kind of cool to do it mm-hmm. And there was one point where I was running the show to a DVD that they sent me. They sent me a bunch of DVDs. These are the shows. Not only are you learning the songs, you have to learn the live versions and the live tunings and know what John's doing as a front guy with cues and this and extensions and bring, you know, breakdowns and come back up and double choruses at the end. So it was learning a show. So I'm in the, my living room I just divorced my wife so I'm running the set with my pocket marshal a mic stand and the lyric sheets uh, playing the show to my dogs and and then at one point I like press stop and go I don't want to do this forget it put the guitar down lay on the couch turn the TV on what comes on Bon Jovi documentary on HBO and I was like, well, I guess I'm doing it. Because if there's a sign, <laughs> there's a sign, right? So, and then April, uh, a few months had gone by, and April uh, 14th, 2011, John Bon Jovi left me a message. And I go, hey, Phil, John Bon Jovi calling. We need you. Call me back. So I call him back, and we start talking. And, um, it, you know, it was like, I want to put you on hold for May, but it'd be cool if you came to New York at the end of the month and rehearse with the band. And then I'm like, okay. So, and then holy fuck, it's happening. (laughs) Okay. So really now you, there's no mucking around now you need. And they said, it's really important that you get the guitar parts perfect there's a teleprompter for the lyrics and that's a huge saving grace, right? <laughs> so I came in and uh, to rehearsal and the, and it, it just turned out that the day I flew into New York to rehearse, Richie checked into rehab. So I went from being on hold for me to you're playing in three days. So we rehearsed a little bit on one day. You nervous when you get there? Well, it, it made it real. And there wasn't room in, in my anatomy for nervousness. It was, this is going to happen. You're ready and you're going to kick ass. And that, that was basically it. Excellent we, mentality. I love that. Well, you have to, right? Oh, great. Yeah, you man. could cower in a corner or you could show up. So, and kick ass. Yeah. And that's, that was my mentality. And, and I stayed true. But at, when, when you jump on, on a stage, with that band, and you've never worn in-ears before, and you have to work around that. And and I'm using, I brought a few guitars, but I'm using Richie's 12-string and Richie's 6-string acoustic and his amps, and I just brought a couple of pedals, and I'm using his talk box. We changed the hose. And, you know, I'm using, basically step into his position with his stuff and deliver in front of 50,000 people. It was uh, New Orleans Jazz Fest, (laughs) and uh, it's a 90-minute set. And and John doesn't even say anything. Like, the true fans have heard about Richie checking into rehab. They know that they're going to the Bon Jovi show. They don't know who's going to be in that spot. And I'm on stage playing, and John doesn't say anything until the very end when he thanks Phil X for filling in for Richie. Everybody's just looking at me going, who the fuck is that guy? And then when he says Phil X, everybody's on their phone Googling Phil X. (laughs) So it was an interesting, you know, like in your head, you're thinking you've been singing and playing your entire life. Right now, it's just the Bon Jovi catalog. You got it. No Mm -hmm. problem. Right. So and then show and then I did 13 shows and then they said, hey, Richie's coming back. Thank you for doing such a great job. Here's a bonus for doing such a great job, but it's also an advance if we have to call you back. (laughs) So, but he finished the tour. Everything was great. I thought I was done. Everything's, you know, now it's been two years. It's 2013. Around the same time, April 3rd, I'm at Trader Joe's and I'm shopping. And the phone rings, and it's John Bon Jovi. And we need you tonight in Calgary. And if what? What What do you mean tonight?
0: And by this point, not even practicing the songs. Anymore.
1: I haven't played a Bon Jovi song in two, years. in two years. I've done other gigs, I've done, I've played on other records, I've done, played with the drills, I've done my own thing, I've done so, and. People are like, hey man, we'd love to hire you for this corporate event, and since you played with Bon Jovi, I mean, you could play some Bon Jovi songs. I'm like, I don't play Bon Jovi songs. Without Bon Jovi, I just don't. And so I haven't. <laughs> and and it's it's kind of an interesting weirdness because even now, when people hey, we, we, everybody that you're playing with at this corporate event is playing songs from their. Uh, their careers so can you do some Bon Jovi songs no I don't play Bon Jovi songs I didn't write them I didn't record them and they're like okay so what do you want to play I well,
0: just one quick question what would yeah. be your approach with for example uh, do you think that might change in the future uh, this house is not for sale
1: well I mean I, I did record on those songs so if someone said hey we want to do Born Again Tomorrow but no one's ever going to say that mm. <laughs> You know what I, I mean. Know, I know what I mean. Yeah. So, so the, that made it uh, a really uh, that that made it like oh no, Henny, And the one thing that John said was, hey, so we got we had a new record that just came out. So if you could learn three of those new songs and play them tonight, that would be great. And I, I, I just said, playing tonight. I mean, <laughs> you probably don't hear no a lot, but no, I'm gonna spend the flight. To Calgary, revisiting what I already knew two years ago that I haven't played in two years, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, totally, I get it." But learning for tomorrow, because <laughs> that's how they work, right? Did you? Um, what happened was they they really wanted me to show up on time and walk on stage on Calgary in in Calgary ready to go, but there was plane funk. There was a plane. I got on a plane, and it's was broken so we're gonna to have to get another plane but it's it's not gonna be ready for another hour and then it's slower than that, that plane so it's gonna take three and a half hours instead of two and a half hours so by that time i actually got to the venue it was thank you good night and they were done so but who,
0: who played that on that night
1: no it was just bobby bandera was uh he's he's been the auxiliary guy even with richie in the band since 2006 so he had never played richie's parts so he was playing parts that Richie didn't want to play, which was great because it was also the parts I didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. But um, So John had to play guitar all night, and Bobby played, tried to do it the best he could. And that, that's the thing. John doesn't want to play guitar that much. He wants to front a band. So I get it. So, but what ended up happening was I didn't play in Calgary, but the next day I had a nice lengthy soundtrack in Edmonton, and John's like, what do you want to run? Uh, let's run this and this and this and this and this, and let's run these three new, three new songs that you want to play because I just learned those, and let's do the show. So we did the show, and then, and then what ended up happening in at this case, in this case was when I was done the month of April, I thought, okay, so Richie's probably coming back, and I'm done, and everything's cool. But at the end of April, they're like, we're gonna need you to go to Europe, and I was, well, I don't know if I want to go to Europe. You know, I have a baby on the way. Um, I don't want to miss my son's birth. I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to not be there for my girl who's pregnant. She's, you know, and and they're like, oh. And then I left the room and, you know, they had a powwow, a meeting of we need this guy. We got to do whatever it takes to get this guy. So, and it came down to money. You know, they call me the next day and say, so we're going to give you a raise if you go to (laughs) here. And then I'm like, okay, well.
0: And that's when I saw you for the first time at Hyde Park. Right. Yeah. Well, first time that I saw you with Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hyde Park. That was my first really big mistake too. Why? I went into the wrong song. That was my first. uh, We had been, had John works in clusters of songs, like these songs work really well together, and then we change these, and then these work really well together. So there was a cluster that was, uh, it was a few songs, and then Lost Highway. Well, at Hyde Park, he decided to stick Born to Be My Baby between the cluster and Lost Highway, and I looked at the list really quick, and didn't see born to me and my baby so everybody went into born to me and my baby and i went into the lost highway and they're a, a semitone apart <laughs> one's in f sharp one's in g it's it was the worst in my in my ears of sound and and it's actually not so bad on youtube <laughs> i i generally don't remember that i really don't so
0: but um but that's amazing
1: yeah and then so i but she didn't come back But for for months, it was like, is he going to come back? It was a big question mark. And then once they decided Richie wasn't coming back, then the band had this, started getting this real uh, tight, really cool vibe. John felt kind of comfortable because I'm consistent. I'm the same guy every night. I deliver, sing my parts, play my parts every night, night after night. And for him to have that, it gave him a sort of comfort and then um and then in 2014 Richie officially quit and then in 2015 we did the Pacific Rim and in 2016 that record had already been recording recorded but John thought it can't be the three amigos mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't be a singer a drummer and a keyboard player that's not a rock band we got Phil let's get him in the videos let's get him in the in the let's get him in the you know on the artwork let's get Hugh in let's be a five piece band again and, and that's when they said, now we have to get them on the record. So that's when I came in and recorded on four songs. And then I've been here ever since. And now I'm on the t-shirt, Carl. Oh, are you? I'm on the bloody t-shirt. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you collect those? do you keep I should you right collect, you should I should have Absolutely, a t-shirt with yeah. my face on it
0: exactly and, and like you know the merch I was going to say like I mean do you collect those stuff like you know uh, I don't know those uh, I should they, and stuff you like know that. what they
1: do they give us you know we can look at I do I think I have a couple of shirts because they said hey this is the new merch line what do you want and then they put it by our, our wardrobe cases and then yesterday they handed me the new 2019 program oh, here's wow. your program and I'm like alright and I'm going through it and there I am and, and it's the program that yeah. I've been handed that hey can you sign your picture and I sign my so picture cool. and I sign the front I love this kind of stuff I collect a lot I know. of I stuff I see I, I wish you everything. know what I did with my Van Halen programs from the concert no don't tell me no I I cut them up and put the pictures on the wall because it was like a poster you know what I mean yeah and then yeah. I go to my buddy Brian Tishy. I, I did some recording at his house, and we rehearsed for a cover gig. And I went there, and he's got all his programs from the same concerts. And I'm like, "Oh, pulling my hair I out." I
0: collect, man, all of it, all the concerts. I wish I had you
1: know, the, the, you know, the looking forward to, to, to do that too.
0: I love, I love, like um, those. Uh, Pieces of kit that nobody can buy. You know, you go to a gig and then you get like a uh, a crew T shirt or a hoodie T shirt. Stuff that you know only the crew can get. Man, I collect that. It's and one day I have like suitcases full of black touring T shirts from gigs, from festivals. That's amazing. You know, uh, a lot and a lot of that stuff. Feel my friend. Um, we could definitely keep going. One hundred percent. That <laughs> will leave us room for uh for more conversations, and um, we didn't even talk about. Uh, well, so many stuff, so much other stuff that we could talk about, but we're going to have time for that. But we do have more work to do this evening. Yes. So, um So I'm going to, you know, wrap this conversation up and and thank you again for, for your time. Thank you again Thanks for, for you know, me, sharing uh, those stories and... Well, you uh,
1: definitely went into uh, some zones that I I've haven't explored explored in other conversations so well that's great that's great i'm yeah.
0: glad and i hope that everybody will i'm sure that everybody will enjoy because it it's always uh, I, I like this podcast thing because it's kind of like we could be having this conversation in a bar having coffee or having a beer or doing whatever but here we're just recording it, it's it's a conversation you it's know? awesome it's yeah. not about uh interview i have those 10 questions to run through do you right. know what i mean yeah so uh it, it's a bit of a more of a personal approach to it and, yeah. and, and I think that's uh, that's something really really cool and we
1: have been having coffee and water there and go. I'm gonna have a banana when we're done you don't, you don't drink alcohol
0: at all like wine with dinner or
1: beer I don't like wine um, I had beer in Ireland cause it was awesome
0: <laughs> And I, I'm a
1: tequila guy but I I find I don't alcohol dries me out and if I gotta sing like I'm singing tomorrow at mm. Wembley Stadium um yeah, I'm yeah, not going Yeah, just gonna drink. the occasional gig, tonight. Wembley Stadium, right? right? <laughs> so I'm not drinking before Wembley Stadium. I don't drink the night before a show. I feel it the next day. I feel like my voice is mm-hmm. fatigued and I got some high parts. <laughs> you really do? <laughs> I do.
0: <laughs> Amazing, Phil. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Carl. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation, this podcast, as much as I did doing it. So if that's the case... Please do follow on Instagram at RollerCoasterCarl. Myself at Carl Casagrande. On Twitter, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Uh, do subscribe. Do subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. That's very, very much appreciated. Thank you and have a great, great day. Cheers.